what's the end goal of that? It's not being right. 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 If we're winning arguments and we're too concerned about winning arguments about who's right and who's wrong, that's just deception. And we're falling into a trap as opposed to getting people to the gospel. Welcome to the Disciple Making Youth Ministry podcast, where we talk about the calling of youth pastors to equip students for the work of making disciples, moving teens from church attenders to disciple makers. Here are your hosts, Joel Friend and Jeremy Collins. Welcome, everyone, to the Disciple Making Youth Ministry podcast. My name is Jeremy Collins, and I'm joined here with Joel Friend. How are you doing today, Joel? I'm tired, Jeremy. I can tell. I have this nice cup of joe in front of me. I texted you specifically, please have this ready for me. I felt like um, I felt like that uh, opener of the op- office where he had was watching Devil Wears Prada. Steak! Steak! I need Armani on the phone! So that's what I felt like when I texted that to you. But thank you for this uh, cup of joe. Is this medium roast or dark roast? Uh, I think it's actually a mix because the dark ran out and it got probably poured in. You know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Church I, I'm, coffee I'm is tired. church coffee. I'm too, tar- I'm too tired to care. So, Well, I'm excited about this episode today. This is going to be our last episode of season one. Uh, and we're going to take a little bit of a break and recharge our batteries, sit down, think about, process things that we've you know talked through and things that we want to talk through in the future but today jeremy we're going to talk about apologetics in youth ministry why don't you get us kicked off here yeah so we're going to walk through uh what is apologetics first and we're going to give a definition from first peter three fifteen, and then we're going to jump into how is it harmful and how is it helpful looking at apologetics and its connection to disciple making and then finally we're going to wrap this all up by talking about the apologetics and its role in our ministries, uh, possible roles and roles that we've we've put it in. So I want to start us off here with looking at a quote, and this comes from Vodibachum's book, Expository Apologetics, and I think it helps us just think as we're talking about apologetics. Here's what he says in that book. The picture of apologetics as a formal debate is what often keeps normal Christians from pursuing the subject. We think that that kind of debate is not consistent with my personality, nor with my gifting or training. Therefore, I must not be called to apologetics. Consequently, we not only take a pass on apologetics, we feel completely justified in doing so. All the while, a biblical mandate is staring us in the face. Yeah. And and that mandate comes from 1 Peter 3.15, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Yeah, and I think that last part we'll be spending a good amount of time on, too, because I think that's what can be lost in this. I like that Vody Bauckham quote, because to your point, uh, you know, when you view these debates and you see like Christopher Hitchens versus John mm-hmm. Lennox and Christopher Hitchens against, uh, you know, Dan Wilson, like these guys who are pretty smart, intelligent dudes, and they're trying to defend the faith against some people that are pretty strong in their opposition of the Christian faith too. Uh, I, I can see the default being, oh yeah, like, do I have to be smart like that guy in order to have these conversations with people? Do I need to know these arguments? And if I don't, to his point, you just let it pass, and you just yeah. say, well, I guess that's not for me because I'm not going to spend the amount of time I need to be able to do that. And then it becomes a barrier even into ministry, right? Sure. So if if I have to be like that, 
and you're saying this is part of being a Christian, then, I, then how can I even follow Jesus? And so when we're talking about youth ministry, apologetics possibly presented harmfully can actually be a, an obstacle as opposed to something to lean into. Even when we take a closer look at 1 Peter 3 and we look back just at the previous verses, we see that Paul is outlining a code for all believers here. And when you mean we look, Peter's outlining? Yeah, did I say Paul? That's okay. Gets confused all the time. Peter and Paul. Yeah, Peter's outlining uh, for believers here. And he says this, Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For those that to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him speak seek peace and pursue it for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And it continues and continues, but you can see how Peter here is outlining that apologetics is found in this section Mm -hmm. because it's meant to be done in that way, not as a weapon, not as, uh, or something that's only reserved for certain Christians, but instead it's done in an attitude of humility, gentleness, and respects. And so my definition, and I would say, I think, a good general definition of apologetics is being able to give a clear reason and evidence and defense of what it is that you believe. And if we're saying that from a Christian perspective, we're saying here is what I believe and what Christians believe and doing that with humility, gentleness, and respect. Yeah, that's good. And I think uh, that the main part there is to, to give reasons and clear evidence, right? So I think for your standard person, so we think about students, not a lot of students have ever heard the heard this word apologetics before, right? And so most of the time when we hear this word apologetics, it is usually found in this category that you've read books like Evidence Demands a Verdict or Apologetics for a New Generation, basically anything written by anyone from the McDowell family, right? <laughs> so, uh, And so I think it's this category of that you got to be a real smart person to know all of these arguments and that you need to be able to uh, respond eloquently and, and and sound really smart in order to make someone uh, you know kind of coil back in their response to you I I don't think that's what uh, I don't think that's what the Bible has in mind when it comes to the defending of our faith it seems that we need to at least two things know what it is that we believe and two, uh, talk about it in such a way that is clear uh, and is helpful for the other person. Mm-hmm. It's not like bashing someone over the head with what you know. I think about Paul when he's before, you know, King Agrippa, and he gives he does give an apologia. He gives a defense. Yeah. He gives reasons for why Christ is is king. Uh, although he did not convert King Agrippa, I believe that's who it was. It could be Felix. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. Uh, you know, whoever it was, he didn't give, uh, he didn't, you know, convince him that day, but nonetheless, that's all Paul was doing. It, you know, Peter in the beginning of Acts, yep. he gives yep. a, a clear uh, yep. evidence for uh, who Christ is. So I think what we need to do with this word apologetics is be able to, you know, not put it in this category of smart people who say a lot of things to defend the Christian faith, but simply to be, to know what it is that we believe mm-hmm. and be clear on that and then talk about it in a way that is helpful to the other person who is listening, hopefully listening, because sometimes people can get uh, a little fired up uh, over these topics. Well, and, and yeah, that's exactly it. I think another example that's really done well by Paul is just look at Romans chapter three and how 
as, as Paul is addressing these issues to the Roman church, um, he's, he's listened carefully to their argument and, and to clarify. And, and so as we, as we do apologetics, like Paul does, we, we must first listen to what people are, are bringing possibly against Christianity. Right. We can't just assume we, oh, I know what this argument is. No, listen carefully, because if it is biblical, if it is consistent with Scripture, you want to be able to find the places where it is consistent with Scripture, as opposed to just outright deny. And and so this humility, gentleness, respect listening is a huge part. And then if it isn't consistent with scripture, after we've listened, we'll have an opportunity to start to demonstrate how, okay, that's inconsistent with what the Bible says. Right. And, and that's the authority I'm holding to. And, and, and if we do that gently, that can be done in conversation, right? Yes. not in debate. Yeah. I had a student a couple of weeks ago, we were on a discipleship retreat and uh, she just had poor experience with the church. She, you know, uh, experienced some levels of abuse, and she just has, uh, she's seen some really tough stuff happen. She struggled with some depression, and she came to me, it was like right before our, our time of our, we have these prayer stations set, you know, set up, and it was clear she was not ready to go through those. Mm-hmm. So she pulled me outside. We had a conversation, and sort of, she was like, I'm really struggling with my faith, I'm, I'm struggling that Jesus is who he says he is, and, you know, and she brings uh, to the table some really good stuff, such as, like, you know, if God is good and he loves everybody, why is there crappy, horrible things going on in the world? And one of the things that I tried to do, which I've gotten from, you know, the ideas of apologetics, mm-hmm. is kind of help people walk to the conclusion. So I said, well, yeah, I can see how that makes sense in light of Christianity, So, but what's your option if you're an atheist, Right. So if we have no ultimate moral law giver uh, and to which we have a moral law in which to differentiate between good and evil, can you really say that anything is really ever actually bad? Right? Mm-hmm. Could you say that uh, you know Nazi Germany was bad? Could you say that uh, what Mother Teresa did was good or evil? And, and, and she, had, she basically was like, huh, I never thought about it that way before. And so it was... I wasn't just running off all this stuff that I had learned, and sure, I did learn it, but it was in a way of like, let me help you with this. Let me let mm-hmm. me maybe help you lead you to some of the logical conclusions that maybe you aren't able to see. And she said that was really helpful for her because then I got to point it back to like, well, I mean, what Christianity is, it shows us is that through the suffering of Christ is that, number one, uh, he deals with the injustice of the world mm-hmm. on the cross, and number two, he's he's the only God that you can who can say to you, uh, I know exactly what you're going through. Mm-hmm. And so she was like, oh, like processing mm-hmm. that stuff. And so uh, I gave clear reasons, I, and I tried to help her see the logical ends of those things uh, at the same time. So yeah. Well, and, and what you did, and my, my main point, or my last point, you already made it, is you got to get them to the gospel. Oh, yeah. And so if you're going to listen and show and give clear evidence, what's the end goal of that? It's not being right. 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 If we're winning arguments and we're too concerned about winning arguments about who's right and who's wrong, that's just deception. And we're falling into a trap as opposed to getting people to the gospel. And, and, and you did that in that conversation. You said, OK, let's talk about Jesus and, and this and, and how that relates. And so when we're talking about humility, respect, gentleness and doing this in all of that, the point of apologetics is the gospel. Mm. It's not just about winning yeah. an argument. And I think that that's 
the difference between apologetics as a debate right. and apologetics as a conversation. A conversation, I'm trying to get to the gospel. I'm listening and I'm trying to get to the gospel so that we can have a conversation about the gospel, about who Jesus is, about the sin in our lives that need answered for and that there is an answer and his name is Jesus. And so when we start doing apologetics in that way, now it has a purpose as opposed to my own arrogance and my own winning. Yeah, maybe we haven't, and we'll talk about this more at the end, but maybe what what hasn't happened for a lot of people is they haven't seen a lot of the conversational sort of things. There, there are some people on YouTube you can watch to do that, and that's actually really helpful because you can see the two-way conversation. I think most of the time we're interested in, like, you know, seeing debates and watching two people do it when watch, like, a group of people having a conversation about these things. Just two quick, quick thoughts about it. You know, I think we need to... What happens is that we risk winning an argument at the risk of losing a person, yeah. right? Yeah. And so that's why I'm... When, when I have these conversations with our students and we talk about these things, and I always say, listen, you're, your job is to have Christ-likeness over correctness. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could be, I've seen some of the smartest people in the world make other fe- people feel dumb, but that might come at the cost of that person receiving the love of Christ through the conversation that you're having. And so why don't we transition a little bit into that? Mm-hmm. So we kind of talked a little bit about what apologetics is, um, but what about how, how is it harmful and how is it helpful? Let's talk about that harmful piece. Yeah, and, and I think it comes back to everyone should be, or every Christian should be, an apologeticist. We should have a reason for a defense. I think you just made up a word. Is, is that not a word? Apologeticist. Apologist. That's really good. That's the word Apologist. I was looking there for. <laughs> every, every Christian should be an apologist, but just because you've watched a video, read one book... You know, I, I think we sometimes get enough information that we're dangerous as opposed to spending real time in God's word in real time. So it's very easy to wield it like a weapon. And I know you've talked about that with some of your students in that perspective. Yeah. So I, I remember seeing a video one time of these dudes who were in this Burger King parking lot and these two Mormon dudes roll up on them. You know what video mm-hmm. I'm talking about? Yes, yeah. yes, yes. And so they... You know, they wouldn't let these Mormon guys, they barely let them talk, and they just you know, threw all this stuff back in their face. And at the end, they kind of were like high-fiving each other and being like, we're the guys, no one can stand up against us. I mean, he's, you know, he's quoting scripture in the say, like anything you bring against your, that your adversaries bring against you, they, you know, nothing that can overcome what you Mm -hmm. have to say, which that probably happened in that conversation, but those guys probably left feeling small. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, uh, I've had many a conversation with Mormons and I I remember one time uh, they said to me, was like, well, it's clear, you know, the Bible better than we do. And I'm like, oh no, 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 guys, this isn't about how much of the Bible I know more than you do. It's that I want to be clear about what it is that we, that I believe as a Christian that the Bible teaches about these various issues. So there is me just trying to be like, well, have you guys thought about this before? Well, what about this and these things? And then I, I remember I had these Jehovah Witnesses. I probably wasn't as nice to them. Uh, but, uh, you know, they're asking me, they said, well, do you believe in the Trinity? And I said, well, yeah. They're like, we do not. I was like, well, then your God's not love then. <laughs> I was my kid was sick. I was sick. I wasn't ready for it. And I go back. I'm like, oh man. At the end, I was like, oh no, no, no. Please ask me a question. Please ask me a question. I I, I want to learn more about what you guys believe. And let me ask you a question. And so, uh, so I, I have found that when I was younger, I used my knowledge in order to make people feel small. Uh, and sometimes I would pick fights um, mm. more than I would like look for. You know, hey, have you? You know, I wanted to ask you about this. Like, what do you think? And and so I have found that. 
when people wield uh, truth like a sword in the offensive and trying to like cut people down, uh, I just don't see that in Scripture. I think anytime anybody's asked me, well, what do you do? Uh, I always say, if they crack the door, I kick it open. Like, I'll tell you, and I'll, and I'll try to do that in a way that's, that's careful. What about any ways you've seen be harmful? Yeah, well, I think many of the ways with YouTube and a lot of the other things, you can see people that are, are so right in what they're doctrinally saying, but right. so wrong in how they're saying it. Um, and I think that those are the cases. And, and usually what ends up happening is the person, it, it doesn't matter if your argument is correct, if you've injured them, either verbally or made them feel small, they're not going to listen to anything. And they're going to now apply that to every other conversation down the road. So I think that how we how we defend now the challenge becomes and, and this is this is the the balance is often the the attacks that are coming at Christianity are low blows. Mm-hmm. They're, they're coming from sideways and unseen. And, and usually if you get into a conversation where someone's trying to find out what you believe, they'll move from topic to topic to topic to topic without you actually having a conversation. Um and usually what ends up happening in those, what's the end goal? If the end goal is not getting to the gospel, then I think we're doing it wrong. Sure. And, and so I think the harmful ways, um, I, I've seen people just shut down and, and usually just walk away from that conversation more entrenched in their views. No one's mind has ever been changed as the, as the result of an argument. Like I don't get in an argument and go, you know. Man, I was so like set in my ways, but argument. yeah, a negative argument yeah. and like, well, now Joel, oh man, you helped me see that I was right by yelling at me. <laughs> right, like right, it, right. it doesn't work that way. Yeah, yeah, to armbar someone to Christ it doesn't work. Yeah, um, yeah, I've seen those things too, and and that's what I always try to remind our students of, and we'll talk about how that connects here in a second too. But what about helpful? You know, how have you seen apologetics be helpful? Yeah, and and I think that this is where. I want to be cautious how I say this because um, I, I think we live in a day and age where personal experience trumps most truth. So if I've experienced something a certain way and I be- that becomes truth, and, and I think that when we talk about giving reasons for a defense for why we believe and why apologetics is helpful is it gives me helpful evidence and reasons that are not solely based on personal experience. Right. And if I'm giving you reasons for why I believe Jesus is God, and they're all about my experience at summer camps and retreats and missions trips, I have nothing. Sure. I'm offering nothing. Right, because they haven't had that same experience. And someone else has had maybe a contrary experience in the other direction. Well, I've experienced God doesn't exist. So what do you say to that? Yeah, right. So if we're not offering... So apologetics helps gives us good tools to, to show how our belief is grounded in God's word. And that's the source of the truth we come to. So the, the most helpful uh, I see in my own life and in the lives of students is when people ask me how and why I believe this stuff. It's not just about, I felt it, I saw it, I experienced it. Instead, here are the reasons why and pointing back to scripture and pointing back to not just what God has done in history, but what we see in the world and creation around us and things that are not deniable as experience. Yeah. I think the other way that it's helpful too, Jeremy, is the the phrase, oh, I, I hadn't thought about it that way before. So, you know, there was, uh, I was watching 
Um, we've just started getting into this guy a little bit more. Todd Friel, mm-hmm. he does uh, Wretched. Uh, you know, he's interesting. He's a character, but the way that he talks to people, uh, I think, is really in line with that. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. And and so when the guy got up there and someone said, "Why? Well, you know, I, it's unfair that you would tell people that they're wrong." And uh, and then he goes, "Well, would you say that I'm wrong?" And he goes, "Yeah." And he was like, well, see, you're doing exactly the same thing that you don't want me to do. And so those are the sorts of things like, I don't think you need a philosophy degree, mm-hmm. degree to, uh, you know, understand that, you know, when you say, well, your view of God is wrong and my view is right, meaning let's say you're a universalist, that all roads lead to Christ, right? So, But nonetheless, you're, you're saying that there's no subjective... Uh, reality, but yet you're making an uh, an absolute objective statement about reality. Mm-hmm. Those sorts of things, and I and I think that maybe takes some years of, of kind of understanding that and realizing, okay, that's that's what's happening in this scenario. Oh, I, I never thought about it that way before, and I think that's that's what uh, apologetics can do, especially if they'll say something like, you know. We've mentioned a couple of weeks ago the dude who said Jesus was mm-hmm. a racist. You need a little bit of an apologetic there, right? So it's just mm-hmm. like, okay, what are some actually clear evidences of this not being the case? And so, you know, oh, I never, someone might say, well, I never thought about that before that Jesus was a racist. I'm like, well, this guy clearly didn't think about it either. And here's the reasons why. Um, and so I think, uh, I think just opening new doors of thought is such a good tool to have. Just like I said, last Mm -hmm. summer, we asked a bunch of different questions, and we want to ask some more questions this summer. We want to ask the questions uh, so that we're the first time our students have heard these questions, uh, so that they can bounce them off of people that they they trust and know, and Mm -hmm. and, and want to, you know, give them some truth, versus like the first time they'll get to college and somebody has asked that question they've never thought about before. Well, what, how can a good God, if your God's so good, why does he allow evil to happen? Most of those people, I find, uh, they don't actually really care about the answer to your question. I think they're just finding reasons to not want to engage in the topic and, and come to a, a rational conclusion about it. I think that's kind of pearls before the swine sort of thing. But that's one of the things that I have found be helpful is present even the question for your students to think about. And one of the ways is to think like, okay, what would I say to this? Because watching two people debate, it's it's interesting to kind of hear the back and forth, but that's not really a conversation that they're going to be engaging in because they might think, well, the only way to do apologetics is doing it up on a stage with a moderator asking questions and then you each take, you know, 10 minutes of response and rebuttal and all this. No, there's people out there like... um. Uh, Jeff Durbin with yep. Apologia. There's Todd Friel. You got Ray Comfort. Yep. You got these these resources out there of people who are engaging these conversations, but they're, you know, I, I think Jeff Durbin could tone it down sometimes. Uh, I think he has, a, you know, a little ego to mm-hmm. him. But mm-hmm. like guys like uh, I think Todd Friel, he does a really good job. Ray Comfort, they're just very humble and they really care about the person. Not to say that that uh, Jeff Durbin doesn't. I've seen him do really good, and I've seen him, you know, uh, cut people off and interrupt them in the middle of conversation. I'm like, bro, let the dude talk. You want to have a conversation with him. So, uh, so yeah, so I think there's some really good stuff out there for people to listen to and just to even see what it's like to have a real-time conversation with somebody about stuff that you disagree about. Yeah, and I think that's, you're transitioning us into the conversation of then, um, apologetics and the role in our ministries because what we're ultimately trying to do and I love that point of wanting to have those conversations and questions to be the first 
you be the first person to have those chances to talk with and parents being able to forward those to parents and have those conversations as well, as opposed to Yeah. If we don't answer those worldview questions, they're going to get answered by someone. And, and so, uh, asking good questions and letting students ask questions, they might not always be good questions. Um, but we shouldn't shy away from the truth. We shouldn't shy away from having those conversations. And if you as a leader are feeling inadequate to answer some of those questions, then it, that it is your role and your job to spend time in God's word, spend time learning so that you can give an apologetic, give a defense and a reason for the hope that you believe. Because if we as leaders are getting asked tough questions by students and we have no answers, we ourselves have to do some work to, to find those and, and to be able to help be a resource. Because what I would hope is then students will come back to you with more questions because you're showing that questions are a part of your ministry. And I think that that's what that's good. That's so helpful in youth ministry and, and why things like the confessions um, and the creeds and, and the things that give language that we can fall back on yep. that helps students understand. We've been walking through the New City Catechism, which is kind of a hybrid of the Westminster Catechism, and it's asking good questions. Now, they aren't the questions students are asking, so I think we can rephrase the questions to be more in their language, but the answers that are being given are scriptural and biblical, and we're getting to the heart and the depth of why we believe what we believe, not just here's another thing to do. Here's another thing to do. Here's another thing to do. But let's talk about the depth and why. And asking questions is a huge way to do that. Yeah. And I, I, I want to say this is that the Bible is sufficient in apologetics. Hmm. It is. Amen. Uh, the Bible is absolutely sufficient because I think there are some people who might listen to this and there are uh, some people think that apologetics is kind of a niche thing that doesn't really advance disciple making or that doesn't really advance the gospel or anything of that nature. It's like, okay, what I would say is thousand percent, the Bible is sufficient as your primary tool for apologetics. Uh, But I will say is that much like what Paul did in Acts and much like what Peter did in Acts is, and Paul in his letters is he speaks to his culture in such a way to bring the evidences mm-hmm. to that, which is true. So right now we're in a culture where we have people asking, how can a good God allow evil and suffering? Well, we look to the Bible and we see what Jesus went through, and we use that as a filter of which to you know answer that question through. It's it, it's not like we're, you know, not every time are we looking through the... Nowhere in the Bible is it saying like, well, you know, if there's no such thing as good, sure. there's no such thing as evil, no, you know, that kind of uh, uh, that debate or that um, theory, um, you know, sort of thing. And so, the, sure, the, it's not in there, but the ideas of good and evil are in the Bible, and so we have to speak the Scripture into our culture in a way that it is uh, that it can hear it, and that a way that it wants to receive it. Um, and so that's why I think like Todd Friel, he does a good job of like taking the idea. Like anytime someone answers, asks a question, well, do you think Jesus is the only way to heaven? He'll say, yeah, Jesus says I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So he's bringing mm-hmm. to his culture and his context uh, the scripture. And I think there's a way to help people think through those things um, that work. Um, you know, what are what are some ways or what are some things that you want to do in your ministry to help them uh, grow in this area when it comes to disciple making? Well, and, and I think that there's so many things that can be done, and I'm sure, and I would love to hear if there's some that, that you guys listening have figured out. 
But I really think that one of them is just being able, like what you've said, bring forward tough questions that they don't know the answer to and, and not being afraid to put those questions in front of students that are difficult. Mm -hmm. Um, because it's not like we can have a, a series on the questions of God, a six-week series, ask some tough questions, and they're going to be good. Right. Like, that's not training enough. And I think back to my own life. Um, man, I've had to spend a lot of time myself studying this stuff. So something we're trying to do more and more is we, we have a question box that we're starting for this summer where students are allowed to put any questions in that they they have. We've already put in some of the questions we want to get to answer <laughs> so that there's some in there so that it's not just, of course, the first question was, do these have to be about God? Right. Like We would prefer that. Um, we're not just here to talk is, is a hot dog a sandwich, though we'll talk about that, but <laughs> that that's not um, really what we're here for. So I think asking good questions is huge. We've been walking through a book with some of our high school guys, How Not to Read the Bible, yeah. and that isn't necessarily a quote-unquote apologetic book, right? but it's giving them a way to look at Scripture and answer people that are having objections to things that Scripture claims. And, and I think that that's what we're talking about in apologetics is, oh, if someone claims something about scripture, we need to be able to have an understanding how to answer those questions other than, well, let me go ask my pastor. That's, <laughs> that's not going to work. So putting resources in front of students and ultimately just trying to get the conversation past moralistic Christianity and into let's learn some things because there are answers here in scripture and we shouldn't shy away. Now I would love to do things like we've talked about going door to door and have people share their faith. Cause I think the best place to learn how to give a good reason for the hope that's within you is to go do it. Oh yeah. Um, we're not quite there yet, but that's a, that's something I would love to work towards is actually sharing your faith in a conversational way, not in a confrontational way. Yeah. And I think I was thinking about that too was, you know, very little do these kids have the opportunity to like sit down and say, okay, you know what, we're going to have a debate over this yeah. particular topic. Um, so some of the things we have done is uh, obviously we we provided opportunities to ask questions. Uh, that's like every summer. Because we also find that summer is, tends to be the time where they're bringing more friends along too. Mm -hmm. um, uh, just because people were more available times or their, their schedules are different. Uh, and so one of the things I wanted to say about apologetics is that we're not, we're not, telling you that this needs to be a primary part of your disciple-making and your youth ministry. We think it's a good tool and the tool belt of it, uh, and, and kind of doing it in a, in a, in a, you know, a way that is biblical and is helpful, and, and it gives kids the chance to, to learn these things that maybe they haven't learned before. And I would tend more towards high school with it, because sure, they're in their abstract thinking phase rather than their concrete thinking phase. And that's where the phase. That, that's where the uh, catechisms come in really nicely for the, the younger kids because they're questions that aren't quite as abstract. Yeah. But when we get older, yeah. Yeah, so when I some of the things I've done in the past, we've gone through I had like a my high school book study my boys, we went through the questions Christians Hope No One Will Ask by Mark Middleberg mm. and uh, that was good because it presented some of those questions they haven't thought about before and I, and I kept asking my boys at the table, how would you 
respond to this? Mm. How would you respond to this? And there was always this insufficiency with how they would respond to it. And then sometimes it actually wouldn't be from Scripture. It would be their own thoughts. And so it's just providing that opportunity for them. Um, and so I've also passed anybody who's like been really interested in this, I kind of pass along some videos, and then yep, we'll be like, same. hey, let's talk about this. Like, what did you see? What was helpful? And I usually do more street evangelism conversations than I do debates between two people on stage because it's more of a free flow conversation uh, and that that's been good and, and helpful at the same time too um, so those are those are some of the things that we have uh, done that have been helpful but like I said it's not a primary part of what we do it is sort of secondary and it comes up within uh, certain seasons that we kind of schedule and plan for yeah. uh, and another thing uh, that I did one summer and these tend to be during the summer is I did a summer study on different religions, mm -hmm. and the point of that was just to show that there is a gap between mm -hmm. what each religion believes, and and then we at last looked at Christianity to see, you know, how is it different than the other ones? It wasn't to like make a, it wasn't entirely like, now here's why Christianity is right. It is to show the, the stark differences between all these religions and specifically Christianity. So I have put in front of our students uh, some, you know, daunting questions and different ideas for them to think through, uh, and I think it's helped them to know that there is a difference, because without that, they might have never really been exposed to that. Yeah, or when people compare and say they're the same, they go, oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Right. And, and I think the insufficiency also comes, I think some questions that I've gotten is, can we study other religions so we can better give a hope for the reason we have. Sure. And while it's great to hear what other uh, faith traditions and religions believe, we don't need to be uh, students of all of those to give a hope for the, the reason that we believe, right? And and so I, I, I think you, you saying this is a tool that we use is absolutely important. And make no no mistake about it you're going to be teaching your students apologetics whether you realize it or not because just by presenting scripture to them in a way where it is saying this is true you're giving them ways to say and defend and give a hope for what they believe so i think that we just have to maybe think about it a little bit more i'd like to respond yeah respond i think it can be helpful to know exactly what another religion believes about particular words. For instance... Definitions, yeah. Yeah, so for instance, in Christianity, Jesus is the second person in the Trinity, the fully... God, fully man, Son of God, come down, live perfect life, died for our, sure. you know, in our place, died, rose again, sits at the right hand of the Father, uh, and He's the Son of God. In Mormonism, He is the literal offspring of Mother God and Father God. He was <laughs> born in the pre-existence with Lucifer, His brother. And in Jehovah Witness, He is the first and greatest of all creation. Yep. Uh, so He's a created being in both Mormonism and Jehovah Witnesses. Yet He's still somehow Michael the Archangel. So I would say it can be helpful to do some study on various religions that use some of the same language but sure. have different and stark definitions behind them. Because if you got into a conversation, if you were a student that got into a conversation with a Mormon over like, well, I believe in Jesus, or like, well, I believe in Jesus too, like this is a great start. Sure. But the Mormon yeah. Jesus is very different than the the one presented in the Bible. Yeah, and, and I think that that's a good distinction. Um, I, I guess I would take it to the, the other side is those that don't claim Jesus— um, 
meaning those that have no religion are atheists or agnostic or say not like we don't need to know everything that culture is claiming as true other than be able to give a hope for the reason that we're yeah, I got you. But to find those definitions. Yeah, you're right. Because even when someone says, oh, uh, Islam, Muslims in Christians worship the same God. Right. No. Right. And, and we need to be able to show how that the differences in knowing that. So, yeah, I think you're right on there. We're on the same page. Um, but I think your distinction is helpful. Anything else that you've done? Um, anything else that you would want to do? I I know that we've kind of said some already. Um, I don't know that I have any more. I don't know. I don't know if there's, I mean, there's stuff that comes up every now and then and be like, oh, that'd be really cool to do. Um, yeah, there, there's nothing that is sparking my interest that's like anything big right sure, now. Sure, sure. Uh, because we're, you know, we're still in this, you know, disciple-making process and we'll see where our needs are going to come at some point. I mean, we, we, you know what we used to do is we used to do a setup night for a live Q&A. Uh, Ooh, and, uh, yeah. and we had our, you know, I was on it. We had a scientist from our church on it. We had our senior pastor on it. Uh, we had a variety of people and it was just a night where kids could bring questions, Fun. uh, to the table. And that was good because it, it gave them a chance to know that this is a place for them to ask those questions. And I think if any huge takeaway from this podcast is this, is l- let your youth ministry be a place where a kid is not afraid to, but highly encouraged mm-hmm. and and highly welcomed to ask questions, even if they're ones of doubt. Especially if they're ones of doubt. Especially if they're ones of doubt. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's so good. And and I yeah, I hope you've heard that, friends. I, I thank you so much for sticking through and and I would love to hear more about some of the ways that you've used apologetics in disciple making because I think. And I would say, as outlined here, we saw in First Peter, that there really isn't a difference between a Christian and a disciple, or a disciple and one who has the ability to give a defense for what they believe. I think all of those are really synonymous. Yep. The question comes, how do we do it? Yeah. And how do we do it well where it's not harmful, and instead it's setting up students for a life after youth ministry, like we talked about in our previous podcast, preparing students for post-high school, how are we setting them up to be able to engage conversations regularly that may be against Christianity so they don't just walk away from their faith because they're bombarded by things they can't answer. So uh, thank you so much for joining us as we've looked at this topic. As we said at the outset of this episode, we're going to finish this is our 10th episode so this is finishing off season one of the disciple making youth ministry podcast man it's been a ride and i'm excited i'm excited to see what season two holds yeah maybe we'll get people smarter than us to be on here maybe we'll get some sponsors i don't know i could you know Maybe we'll get Apple. Apple will sponsor us. No, well, no, I can we'll at least guarantee that. we can get people smarter than us. That's yes, that's easy. That is that is that is much more <laughs> of a guarantee than Apple. Well, thank you guys so much. If you have any questions for us or anything you want to throw our way, you can email us at disciplemakingym at gmail.com. But for now, thank you so much for joining us for season one. And uh, we look forward to sitting down and talking through what we want to bring to you in season two. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Disciple Making Youth Ministry Podcast. We sure do hope you enjoyed it. If you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe wherever it is you consume your podcasts. We hope you have been encouraged by what you have heard and you're ready to jump into the hard work of disciple making. Catch you on the next one.